Hello everyone, welcome again to the Nelson Show. This is January 13th, 2021, with a new episode. Uh, things are going really not so good, I would say, in uh, this country that has become slaves to the wrong things. We all are slaves to something. Whether it be our uh, our phones, our possessions, slaves to ideologies from our politicians, and we're fighting one in, one another over a lot of weird things, in my opinion. So today I'm just gonna go through some Bible scriptures and maybe just try to give reasoning to stupid stuff we do as humans. (laughs) So I'm just going to start out with Nehemiah 9. You made their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and brought them into the land you had promised to their ancestors. They went in and took possession of the land. You subdued, subdued whole nations before them. Even the Canaanites who inhabited the land were powerless. Your people could deal with these nations and their kings as they pleased. Our ancestors captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took over houses full of good things with cisterns already dug and vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate until they were full and grew fat and enjoyed themselves in all your blessings. But despite all this, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who warned them to return to you and they committed terrible blasphemies. So you handed them over to their enemies who made them suffer. But in their time of trouble, they cried to you, and you heard them from heaven. In your great mercy, you sent them liberators who rescued them from their enemies. But as soon as they were at peace, your people again committed evil in your sight, and once more you let their enemies conquer them. Yet whenever your people turned and cried to you again for help, you listened once more from heaven. In your wonderful mercy, you rescued them many times. You warned them to return to your law, but they became proud and obstinate and disobeyed your commands. They did not follow your regulations by which people will find life if only they obey. They stubbornly turned their backs on you and refused to listen. In your love, you were patient with them for many years. You sent your spirit who warned them through the prophets, but still they wouldn't listen. So once again you allowed the peoples of the land to conquer them. But in your great mercy you did not destroy them completely or abandon them forever. What a gracious and merciful God you are. And now our God, the great and mighty and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love, do not let all the hardships we have suffered seem insignificant to you. Great trouble has come upon us and upon our kings and leaders and priests and prophets and ancestors. All of your people from the days when the kings of Assyria first triumphed over us until now. Every time you punished us, you were being just. We have sinned greatly and you gave us only what we deserved. Our kings, leaders, priests, and ancestors did not obey your law or listen to the warnings in your commands and laws. Even while they had their own kingdom, they did not serve you. (sighs) Ah. Though you showered your goodness on them, 
You give them a large fertile land, but they refuse to turn from their wickedness. So now today we are slaves in the land of plenty, that you give our ancestors for their enjoyment. We are slaves here in this good land. The lush produce of this land piles up in the hands of the kings whom we have, you have set over us because of our sins. They have power over us and our livestock. We serve them at their pleasure, and we are in great misery. Now, does this kind of sound familiar on what we're doing with our politicians these days? How we just uh, are putting them above a lot of other things? Uh, we're expecting them to be our masters and do everything, you know, tell us what we, how we should be living our lives. People are getting farther and farther, I think, away from the Bible and teachings of it. That uh, right now it seems like we're all just, we're split and we're fighting each other, but we're not fighting for good. We're fighting for the government to give us handouts. So I'm going to move on to to Peter. Uh, takes me just a second here. I got to move around here through this. And uh, let's see where do I got to go. I got to go down, down, down. Hang with me here. I'm getting there. It's going to split a little bit between when I got to get to these other sections. So now I'm going to go to 2 Peter. Just start with chapter 1. This letter is from Simon, Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Grow in faith. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Uh, we're we're at a at a battle point where that's not coming into our conscious brains to make this happen. Where we got politicians saying, "Oh, we should come together," but at the same time, turning around and say, "These people need to be destroyed," and then the other side saying, "No, you need to be destroyed." We're we're battling each other when we don't need to. <laughs> Goes on. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pay attention to Scripture. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. 
And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must show, soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him in the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Peter chapter 2 The Danger of False Teachers But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality, and become of these teachers the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world, except for Noah and the seven others of his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment, so God protected Noah and he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man, who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings with so much as trembling without so much as trembling. But the angels, who are far greater in power and strength, do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is the reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin, and they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. These people are useless as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal of twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. 
They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better that they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit, and another says, A washed pig returns to the mud. The Danger of False Teachers But there were also false... <clears throat> oh, sorry, it didn't switch on me. Here we go. The day of the Lord is coming. Peter 3 this is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days sculptors will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood, and by the same word the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward <clears throat> to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. Peter's Final Words You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. So, a lot of this stuff, you know, people want to mock, ridicule Scripture, but even from as long ago as it was written, still seems to have a lot of relevance to things that are still going on these days I say we all are slaves to something but we should be slaves to Jesus and his teaching so now I'm going to move on to uh, John 
which is John 1, chapter 1. And I'm going to go to 5. Where's 5 at here? Okay. Living in the light. So, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all this sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. <clears throat> so, we go into, let's see... John 2, 1 John chapter 2. My dear children, I am writing, writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And if you go to... Let's see, what is this one? The New Commandment, uh, part 9. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Oh, let's see, now I'm going to go to Second John. Well, luckily, some of these I tried to put in order so it wouldn't take me so long getting through everything. <laughs> Try not to bore you too bad. Uh, hopefully, I've got enough of this to keep your attention. Little Second John, Chapter 1. Grace, mercy, and peace which come from God and Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. So that was uh, 2 John chapter 1, verse 30. Now I'm going to go to John 8. So maybe reading this for you makes it a little easier than... I mean, if you want to go and look any of it up, that's definitely won't hurt. You know, that way, if you don't understand some things, a lot of times it takes a lot of just reading it over and over. 
and breaking it down. Now this is all coming from the Bible app, or the Bible.com, uh, New Living Testament. I think that's what it's called. Let me look that up again. All right. Oh yeah, New Living Translation. Sorry. <clears throat> so John eight. I'm gonna go to thirty-one, thirty-two. Is that the pieces I wanted to share? It's down here just a little bit here. Okay, there we are. Jesus and Abraham. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I must have learned that from this, because I think I did that in another episode. <laughs> but it's true. If you can get the truth, it will set you free. It just releases a lot of anxiety, pain, whatever else you want to associate with it. Uh, and then, so, just go down this a little bit farther. We'll go to uh, verse 33. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You will be set free. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there is no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. And again, he wants us to follow, you know, the teachings of God and the Word. Now I'm going to go to to Jude. And go back down. Down here towards the bottom. There we are. Okay, and this one just has one chapter here. Okay, greetings from Jude, it reads. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. This one's talking about the danger of false teachers. <clears throat> Dear friends, I, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So I wanted to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt. But later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I, I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. 
But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. Uh, this took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. <clears throat> but these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother, like Balaam. They deceive people for money, and like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in their fellowship mills, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are du doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars doomed forever to blackest darkness. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, Listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are the grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. A call to remain faithful. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Prayer, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way you will keep yourself safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others. But do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. A Prayer of Praise Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and will bring you with great joy into His glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to Him who alone is God, our Savior through Christ Jesus our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are His before all time, and in the present, and beyond all time. Amen. So, I mean, you can still see a lot of stuff in a lot of these passages that definitely pertain to stuff that's going on today, and just a power struggle to control everything. But it's coming from people that aren't actually living with the teachings of Jesus. So we're just becoming a slave to them, lead, trying to lead us down a wrong path. So now I'm going to go to Romans. And <clears throat> it has 16 chapters. So I'll see if i got enough time because all of Romans pretty much kind of I don't know, it's a good read. So, hang with me here, and I'm going to just go through this. Maybe you know this, and maybe you don't. Romans 1, greetings from Paul. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. 
chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised his good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The, God, the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. God's Good News Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about His Son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to both in both uh, obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to educate and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. God's Anger at Sin but God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For every, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they know, knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of wor worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. This is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the woman who turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other, and the man instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things they should never be done. 
That should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Go to Romans 1, Romans 2 now. God's judgment of sin. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad if you have no, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in His justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immorality that God offers, or immortality, sorry, that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law, and the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God, it is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Even Gentiles, who do not have God's written law, show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life the Jews and the law. You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants. You know what is right because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God, for you are certain, you are certain that God's laws gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items solely from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blasphemy the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony circumcision has value only if you obey God's law but if you don't obey God's law you are no better than off than an uncircumcised Gentile and if the Gentiles obey God's law won't God declare them to be his own people 
In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you, you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but do not obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God and a true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, rather it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. God remains faithful. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful does not mean God will be unfaithful. Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. But some might say, our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? And some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. All people are sinners. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Christ took our punishment. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including, including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? 
No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of all the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if he em emphasized faith, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So, I think just due to the amount of time I've probably got left on this podcast, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. Uh, let's see. Let's skip ahead to Romans 8. That was kind of what I was mainly trying to get to here but all of it's pretty good so now we have life in the spirit so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus and because you belong to him the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature so God did what the law could not do he sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And, you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life, because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share this glory, we must also share his suffering. So, the chapter goes on and on about a lot of things. But... We're starting to see more and more wickedness in the world. Uh, even just right here in the old United States of America. We are wanting to be slaves of unholy things. 
And I leave you with this, to just be a slave of Christ and his teachings. And we can all see each other again someday in the, in the other life. And live in the, the glories of heavens. Thanks for listening. I'll try and get you some more information on another, other topics later this week. Hope you have a great one. God bless.